0: guys, back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Monday, December 28th. It is 2020. This is our second to last podcast of the year. I am joined once again by Ben with Ben, say what's up to everybody.
1: Yeah, we're coming down to an end, folks. It's been a fun ride, though.
0: Hey, it's, it has been a fun ride. It's been a good year. Me and Ben finished positive on the entire year in our picks. We'll recap them on the next podcast. But luckily for y'all feel like throwing in there a little bit for these bowl games, just with how it weirdly all these games are put throughout the week. So we're going to give you all everything we got for Tuesday and Wednesday bowl action. Uh, before we do that and discuss all our other topics for today's podcast, I want to talk a little bit about basketball, man. We finally got the NBA back, finally got some college basketball, and finally seeing things take shape. I think the first thing that needs to be said, Ben, is... Gonzaga's head and shoulders better than everybody in college basketball. I really wanted to see them play this game against Virginia, just because, you know, is arguably the best defensive team in the country, and I wanted to see how they play against a team that plays the opposite style of basketball from them. But not only is Gonzaga proven by beating up on the best teams in the nation that they're the best team, but, I mean, these games haven't even been close.
1: They've beaten, what is it, four top seven teams already mm-hmm. they've beaten, and I think only one of them was close, and I think that was, like, the first game of the year against Kansas. They won, like— 102 to 90, I literally think that's the closest game they've played, and that's 12 points. So they, they just beat Virginia by 30, 40. However, I mean, they destroyed them. Uh, was never close in the entire game. I mean, I think Baylor, Baylor's a great basketball team. They have a lot of veterans. They have those guards that came back, but and they didn't get to play. That game was postponed. I, I just feel like Gonzaga, Gonzaga's got five to six guys that will give them 10 points every single night. And two to three of those guys will give them 15-plus every night. So I don't think anyone – I mean I'm not saying they're going to go undefeated. That's tremendously hard to do. But if anyone can do it, it's their schedule because they don't – they usually don't play anybody. Yeah. This year they are playing people, and they're beating everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm still a little pissed that Baylor game got canceled. You know, that kind of – I I remember – I don't think you remember seeing my tweet. I was like, well, I don't even care about anything else today now that this game's canceled. But, honestly, we all know what would have happened. But, yeah, it usually feels like St. Mary's plays them close one of the two games. I watched St. Mary's play one game. I don't think they have a chance to even sniffing a close game against them this season. I mean, like Gonzaga usually doesn't have the recruits like they have. The fact they have Gazel and Suggs this year makes them even better. I mean, it looks like him and Cade Cunningham are in a class above everyone else. Um, other than that, though, I'd say the rest of the field in college basketball is going to be pretty tight, and, I mean, anybody really can get upset. Baylor had a lot of games canceled because of COVID, because I believe they were the ones who had more of the t- false tests in their, in their uh, traveling party. But I'm interested to see how they actually match up with Kansas. I think we'll get a better idea of them moving ahead. But I'll tell you one person, Ben, that surprised me so far this NBA season is Kevin Durant. I mean, it looks like he hasn't missed a beat.
1: Um, Achilles doesn't look like it's bothering him. He's taken a rest to Tonight, uh, that's I'm fine with that. I mean, a little load management, um, mm-hmm. he'll need it. it. It's incredible. Uh, literally, his pull up game. I mean, seriously, we I was watching like a fourth quarter of uh, their last game they played, and and I just looked at my dad, and he goes, It's about time to just put him in the one of the best scores of all time. And like, obviously, people like us, but we've been saying that, but someone like my dad is an older generation guy. Um, you know, my dad's favorite player is Larry Bird. Ever he he my dad's on the hill that LeBron will never be better than Jordan, um, no matter what he does. And for my dad to say that someone in this generation, someone like Durant, is mm-hmm. you know top three scorer of all time is something. It, his pull up game's ridiculous. It, you can't guard a guy that's you know what is he six ten, but with his the way he shoots because he shoots kind of over the top. He probably shoots at like a seven one seven two wingspan. It's a pure shot. It's he's really unguardable.
0: Yeah, and especially the way that Durant plays, too. You know, you kind of expect him to bounce back from this Achilles injury. I just didn't know if he'd be a little rusty. And, you know, because, he, shoot, he didn't play basketball for about a year and a half. You know, it's tough just to He's come hard back and play. What was that?
1: He's a hard worker. You can oh, tell he f- put the time
0: in. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he looks like he didn't miss a beat. I mean, to come back and play at the highest level of competition there is and to play the way he has been, I mean, he looked unstoppable, especially on Christmas Day. Um, it's been fun, though, so far watching these NBA games. Not going to lie, I was a little frustrated on Christmas Day. I was thinking underdogs were going to bark, and, of course, the favorites won every single game. But, you know, it's usually tough to feel things out at the beginning of NBA season. I haven't been betting too many games lately, just kind of trying to feel things out. But I feel like I'm starting to get a better feeling for these teams. But, Ben, you know what kind of pissed me off a little bit is how everybody's been talking about James Harden. First game, he comes out as 44-17. and I mean, he had 17 assists, and he doesn't have his top three players on his roster playing. I mean, do you think it's time for teams to reevaluate that they need to trade for Harden? Do you think we'll see a trade sooner rather than later for him this season?
1: Uh, The fact that if you look at that game, if you look at the people that were not playing, the roster of people not playing could probably beat the roster that did play. And like, that sounds crazy, but John Wall, Boogie Cousins, Eric Gordon, and someone else was all out for him. Literally the only, only, there's three players that the average NBA fan probably has heard of. Harden, Christian Wood, And PJ Tucker, like honestly, I don't know. I don't even know who the other guys were. Uh, I can't think of their names right now. I'm sure I know who they are, but the fact that he can put up those numbers um, is, you know, quite ridiculous. He listen, he's a stud player, and I'm just gonna mention this real quick is like what Dwayne Haskins was doing off the field, and (laughs) is is the same. It's not the same thing, but he's acting kind of similar to Harden. Except Harden has talent, so people will put up with him. Haskins doesn't have much talent that he's shown on the field. That's why he got cut. Well, no one's cutting James Harden. So to answer your question, I do think teams – I think teams want to evaluate their own teams first before they bring on someone who has baggage like James Harden, even though they think they can help. Um, But, you know, I I think there's rumors that the Celtics could be interested. I think they should really jump on on the James Harden train before anyone else because – Listen, they might struggle without Kemba. Um, I, I don't know if they can find enough points. I, I just don't know. I would be cautious with them. Listen, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are their are their big names. They're big scores. They're studs, and they're young dudes. I don't know if they want to play with James Harden, who's going to have the ball in his hands um, quite often. Tatum likes the ball in his hands. He deserves the ball in his hands. So, it, it just it depends on what your roster looks like. To be honest with you, I mean, like there's a lot of teams whose best player has to be ball dominant. So. Yep. That, that plays into a factor, and you got to yeah. be able to afford his contract.
0: Oh yeah, that is a that's a huge point you put there too. You got to decide kind of how the chemistry would work out. Well, I think Philadelphia makes the most sense at the end of the day swapping Ben Simmons for Harden. I think it's going to be like probably give it till we get like 20 games in and then you'll see some of these some of these teams that are you know in between in that in between area and they got to finally ask the question like do we want to take the jump to the next level and that's when the trade's going to happen. I feel like these teams will get more desperate here and then the, you'll see the bidding war start and all that. And I think that I think the Rockets will end up getting pretty decent value for Harden. I just think it's going to be probably till like maybe like a month or so longer before any of that goes down. Um Ben, I know that you've been keeping up with our Hawks pretty pretty good bit, as have I. I mean, there's no place for guys like Grayson Allen in this league, trying to trip Trey Young in the backcourt. I love how Trey Young was going at him, but like look, I'm not saying it because it's Trey Young. Like I'm saying in general, there is no place for players like this in the league. I hate Patrick Beverly. I hate Zaza Pachulia. I hate players who play dirty like that and try to injure other players. I mean, first off, nobody wants to watch your bum ass out on the court, Grayson Allen, and say if people want to watch an exciting player like Trey Young and second off like you can't be trying to hurt other players it's just dirty and Grayson Allen like I'm not even saying because he went after Trey Young he needs to learn his lesson like he needs to he's not making a lot of money he needs to get a $50,000 fine he needs to get a lot he needs to get like a three four game suspension lose those game checks they need to hurt his pockets to teach him a lesson because I mean we saw him do this in college he can't be trying to do this now in the NBA there's no place for it in this league
1: see I'm, I I would love to back Trey but I'm not on the same side I I get that he has a reputation of of doing things intentional, specifically in college. But like when I look at the play in slow motion, like he doesn't look down at Trey's foot to find his ankle. I, I get that he makes contact, but in a sport like basketball, your your ankles are subject to the highest chance of getting injured. People step on each other all the time in basketball. Like I don't think this was a case to where like. You know, we seen Draymond Green stick his knee out on screens. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't see Grayson Allen do it in a way that I thought it was intentional. I get that he has the reputation, but I, I'm fine. Listen, Trey Young got the foul called. He made his free throws that clinched the game for the Hawks. I, I really don't think anything needs to come of this. I don't have a necess- I don't necessarily have a problem with Trey Young trying to defend himself. But, and you know, Grayson Allen commented back with a sarcastic comment like, "Oh, I hope you're okay." Like. Listen, these two have history. I don't know if they played each other in college. I know that there was something that happened at at like a camp. They have not liked each other for a long time. So Mm -hmm. I get that that's in play. I get that he has uh, the reputation. I didn't see anything. I I really don't expect the league to get involved at all. Um, I mean, listen, if Trey got hurt on the play, I think you would have a uh, more substantial case to make. The fact that they, he got the foul call, I don't even think it was on Grayson Allen. I think it was on the other player there. Um, I, he's fine. Like I, I really don't think anything is going to come of this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally don't think anything will end up coming of it. But look, I think it's kind of like the Draymond Green thing. Draymond Green kicks his leg up, hits people in the nuts, or like you said, sticks his knee out on the screen and hits people with it. I mean... Grayson Allen's tripping people. We've seen him do it before. I just feel like it's kind of like a same story, same player. I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but at the same time, he has such a long track record with it. I feel like we can't really give him the benefit of the doubt, but it's enough basketball talk. Let's go ahead and talk about some football here. Obviously, me and Ben, you know, we keep you all up to date on everything big that happens in college football. Um, Auburn, one of the big, I would say like, I would say you have like your tier one programs and you have your next tier programs. I put Auburn in that next tier every single time. Um, they had a coaching vacancy, and they already found someone to fill it, and that is Brian Harson, former Boise State head coach. Ben, I know you're an Alabama guy and all, but how do you feel about Auburn picking up Harson?
1: Well, I don't know. I definitely don't think it was their first choice. Um, mm-hmm. I, there were so many rumors flying around, I really don't know what to believe, but there's just no way that this guy was their first choice. There's just no way. Um, listen, I, I don't know much about this guy. Um, I, I'm a huge believer in the Boise State football program. Um, that is a team I will never pick against in a bowl game ever because I just think that they just know somehow that program just wins. Um, he was 69-13 in his years that he was there. That's incredibly impressive. He won the uh, Mountain West Conference a couple of times. I mean, listen, his track record is good. It's definitely an out-of-the-box hire, which I never hate. Um, I just think that if he fails and if he fails quickly, then Auburn's going down a bad path unless they get a home run higher in their next pick. Um, listen, Gus Malzahn's latest recruiting classes weren't great from what I hear from you know my Auburn friends. And listen, I think this guy can coach. I think he knows how to coach football games. His, record, his track record definitely proves that. I just don't know if he can recruit in the SEC. It's it's literally a polar opposite of recruiting for the Mountain West than it is in the SEC, not to mention he's in the same state as Nick Saban. He's also very, very close to Athens or just Georgia in general. Um, so, listen, you got to recruit with these guys in the SEC. He's, he's, this first year, he's going to have to make a statement uh, in recruiting. So he's going to have the players. I, I don't think... From what I've read, I don't think a lot of players are going to be leaving the program just because of this new hire, but that is always something to keep an eye on. Um, it's really going to keep an eye on. I'm very interested to hear if he likes Bo Nix or not, because if he doesn't, then I mean, listen, I think I think a lot of Auburn fans you can find are definitely okay with moving on from Bo Nix after what they've seen after two years, specifically this year. But I think there's a lot of the same fans that say, hey, if this guy thinks he can coach him, then let's keep him. But that's something to keep an eye on. Um, it, it, his recruiting is going to mean more than what he does in his first year in terms of wins and loss records. So he, he's going to have to prove he can recruit in the, in the tough SEC. But listen, I, I would say Auburn is probably the fifth best school overall in terms of football performance and recruiting each year in terms of relevance I mean behind Alabama, Georgia – LSU I'll put Florida in there and then I, I listen Tennessee like I get that they have all this rich history they, they have been so irrelevant for most of my life <laughs> Auburn has a national championship so I, I, Tennessee is very irrelevant in my eyes I get that Pruitt has recruited very well well he can't win with the guys he's recruiting so I'd put Auburn as the fifth best school overall uh, in terms of performance and in terms of recruiting in the ACC and listen they've they've had more success than Georgia Auburn has a national championship. Um, recently, Georgia doesn't have one since 1980, but Georgia does out-recruit pretty much everyone else in the country, so I am going to put Georgia just in terms of talent. But we got to see what this guy can do in terms of recruiting. I-, I-, I think he can coach. I don't know if he can recruit in the SEC.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. Um, it definitely is going to come down to how he recruits, but at the same time, I will say this, though. I mean, you look at his time in Boise State. His worst record was 9-4. and four. I mean, that's really impressive. I mean, this has been a good program. This has always been one of the better programs in college football. And the fact, you know, he kind of came in there, took over for um, Peterson, I think was the guy there before him. I can't think of his first name. But he came in there, took over for him. And I mean, this program really never missed a beat. And I think that he kind of knows how to do what he can. He knows how to use his guys that he brings in. Because obviously, you know, Boise State, he's not bringing in the top recruits, but we've seen him win lots of big games. I mean, they came down to Tallahassee and whooped mynouls' ass last year. I mean, that that was a tough one to swallow. But you know, I think Harson knows what he's doing. And I mean, he still does a decent job though bringing in recruits at Boise State. He brought in that four-star quarterback Brock Meyer in his last two years there. So. I think he can do a good job recruiting. I mean, he seems like a likable guy. He's an offensive guy. He was actually the head coach and uh, offensive coordinator at Boise State for a while. He was he went to Texas, did it for a little while. He was head coach at Arkansas State for one year. Then he went to Boise State to replace Peterson. So I think things are looking good for Auburn. Look, I think this is one of those hires that you more so are going to have to wait a year or two to to judge it. You know, I feel like it's one of those that today, like we really can't say, oh, this is a horrible hire. This is a great hire. You kind of got to see what he does here for a year or two, but. At the same time, I think you made a very good point with he can't afford to not do a good job here because Auburn could be in danger of sliding into that Florida State area if they don't do a good job, where you're going to become a basketball school. You got Bruce Pearl over there doing well at the basketball school, kind of like with Florida State. We got Leonard Hamilton. Our football program is a mess right now. But I think Harson can, if he comes in here and does everything correctly, I think it'll be good. I mean, he's he's kind of thrown into the fire there this first year. I mean, he they literally hired him. I think what like a week before the for, before one of the first signing days. So he I mean, a couple of days
1: after a couple of days after they yeah, fired a couple of days they after. fired Gus Malzahn like three two or three days before National Signing Day. And then I think it took maybe three or four days to sign him. So right around that first day of National Signing Day. And he was hired. It's really just going to be interesting to see what kind of adjustments he makes. Look, I got to find out what kind of offense he wants to run with what he has at Auburn. He's got a very, very talented running back at Auburn, Tank Bigsby. I don't think he's going to leave. Um, he's the starting running back at Auburn. I don't know why he would leave, but he's got to see what he can work with with Bo Nicks or if he wants someone else. So that's that's going to be big for him.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It's going to be interesting to see what he does here in this first year. I just kind of feel bad for him with everything with recruiting and stuff. I mean, that's tough for a coach because your first recruiting class is going to be one of the big ones that kind of comes in and sets the tone because, you know, you probably only have, like, two- to three-year window. you got to hope that first recruiting class you come in can come in and back up what you want to do and buy into the program and get everyone else to buy in and help you bring in more good recruiting classes to kind of save your job a little bit. Um, topic that's really – I really want to discuss, it. I think it's time now finally to discuss it after everything happened, the playoff, is I think college football did a horrible job handling everything with the college football playoff, especially within this season. Look, I'm not saying that Ohio State isn't one of the four best teams in the nation. All I'm saying is that they had a competitive advantage over teams like Texas A&M, teams like Florida. I mean, I don't think a three-loss team should be in there, but... I mean, even over Cincinnati, I mean, yeah, Cincinnati missed a couple games. Still, Cincinnati played way more games than they even did. I just feel like, I personally think that Texas A&M should have been in the playoff over Ohio State. Now, I also think that Ohio State didn't really play anybody, so they didn't really get a chance to prove that they were that good. I think that it's absolutely ridiculous to say Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be there. Notre Dame played every single game on their schedule, and they probably have arguably the most impressive win of any team this entire season beating that Clemson team that whooped their ass the second time they played. I just think it's ridiculous that Ohio State gets to play six games and get into the playoff over Texas A&M, who I think played nine games. I mean, you got a competitive advantage. You didn't play anybody the entire season. I I just feel like that college football did a horrible job handling everything. I feel like this would have been the year to say, "Oh, it's it's the COVID year. Let's go ahead and extend the playoff. Give you do six teams. Give the top two seeds a bye." Maybe go eight teams let a team like Cincinnati go play Alabama let them lose by 50 points and then we can shut up that argument for the next 10 years that teams like Cincinnati deserve to be in the playoff. I feel like there's so many different ways the NCAA could have handled it. You know, the MLB extended their playoff. The NFL had a plan in place to, to extend their playoff if they needed to. The NBA did the bubble and they extended with that little, you know, with the play-in games to get the eight, seven and eight seeds for this year. I just feel like there's so many better ways college football could have handled everything that they did with this. And... I feel like they did a horrible job personally, and I think that I mean they might have been able to, they might have gotten us the best games we can see, but I just don't like the way they went about it. And I feel like the Texas A&M is kind of, you know, they're getting the shafted here.
1: So I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, I I feel like this was—you're not going to have a better year to try out the expanded playoffs than this year. Um, So I think if they wanted to do it at some point, I definitely think it should have been this year. I mean, here's the thing: like they always say. That their job is to put the four best teams in. Well, I I hate that because, and you know it's easy. You know, listen, Alabama is always going to be one of the four best teams, mm-hmm. and if you look at the teams that have made the college football playoff since it um, started, I think in 2014 was the first year I believe. Yeah, it's like the same small batch of teams, mm-hmm. and it's really old, it's outside of Notre Dame, it, it's the teams that. Are always top four, top five in recruiting. So what are we? I mean, what are we doing? I mean, Alabama's been in every single playoff except for one last year. They're always in the top in recruiting. Um, LSU was in it last year. Always in the top in recruiting. Oregon was in it in the first couple of years. They're usually for Pac-12 schools. They're usually one of the higher teams in recruiting. Clemson's been in every year I think except for one.
0: Yeah, they missed the they're first all- year. FSU got them the first year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's Ohio State. So, like, Oklahoma, it, it's just the same batch of teams, which I get it. If you want to keep saying your job is to put the four best teams, then sure, you're doing a good job. But it, it gets stale after a while, and I understand that. Now, I don't complain because, listen, you get Bama-Clemson. That's, that's, Bama-Clemson is definitely the best two teams that can, that can possibly play each other most years, and it has been that way. I... I just don't – I think every time the committee chairman speaks, he gets himself in a deeper, deeper hole. Um, I, I just hate the, his explanations. If you asked me who I think should have been in, I am I hate that Ohio State's in for the reason that you said, because they played six games. But I think – and this, this could cause controversy, but Notre Dame has – I guess they have two good wins, Clemson and, and UNC, but they beat Clemson when they weren't at full strength, and when Clemson was at full strength, they lose by a million. So mm-hmm. it's the same old Notre Dame team. And now Notre Dame's in at four, playing Alabama, who's one. And I get that Alabama is not a great team, to use in examples, but the committee who, the committee right now has Notre Dame the fourth-best team, playing Alabama their first-best team, and Las Vegas, who is – better at making lines than any of any better in the in the country has it at 19 and a half point spread. So they have Alabama winning just under three touchdowns. So that's not a close game. So I'm not expecting a close game. I don't think you're expecting Notre Dame to keep this game close. So that's why another reason why I think the committee could have expanded it. But if you asked me who should the four teams I, I agree A&M should be in there. Um, but listen, A&M lost to a full-strength Alabama team. Jalen Waddle did play that game, and they lost by four touchdowns. Notre Dame just got th- – and, and then they won out. They won every single game. And the only other good win they have, I guess, is Florida. And Florida now has three losses, but Florida lost to Alabama by single digits. So – or single digits? Yeah, single digits. So, I mean, I get the Florida's got three losses, but it's still a good win for A&M. Notre Dame, who only has one loss, got thrashed. And, I mean, everyone watched that game. They got smoked. It wasn't close from the time Trevor Lawrence got the ball in his hands. So, listen, I don't think – we. by the way, we have not – since 2014, we have not seen two good semifinal games ever. We have not mm-hmm. had two good semifinal games. I mean, I don't think you're going to get it this year either. So, I, I think agree. it's a problem uh, with the system. Listen, I, I get it. Like, it would be cool to watch, like – not coastal because they just lost to Liberty, but like Cincinnati get in, but they mm. would get demolished. Mm. And I get that, but at least it gives them a chance. I feel like the way the system works now, it doesn't give these smaller teams any chance at all. It gives them false hope. You know, you tell them to make a schedule, and this year's scheduling was weird because, like, um, who was a BYU was supposed to play like four or five ranked teams, and they didn't get to they had to reschedule their whole schedule um, Cincinnati had to reschedule a couple of games. So like you tell these guys, you know, for teams like BYU, Cincinnati, coastal, these smaller programs to get in you, we say you need to play a hard schedule and you need to go undefeated. That's almost impossible. Like how many teams go undefeated every single year? Right. It's not that many. So I don't even think the, the committee even gives them a chance. I think it's all false hope. If you ask me who the four teams should be in I would say this in this order. I would say Alabama one, I would say Clemson two, I would say Texas A and M three, wow, and I would say Notre Dame four. And the reason I say that is because the committee would never put A and M four and Clemson three or in Notre Dame three because then you get two rematches and you already know the result of that. Clemson just blew out. Notre Dame, and A and M already got lost by four touchdowns to Alabama. I get that they were full healthy with Waddle, but it would probably happen again. So that's the way I see it. I don't have that big of I don't have as much of a problem with Ohio State getting in as I think you do, because I do think it it gets a better game. Uh, I mean, if you had to pick any team to give any team to have like who has the best chance at beating Clemson or playing in a close game? Notre Dame, Texas A and M. Cincinnati or Ohio State
0: yeah I mean I agree with you it's probably is Ohio State I just like I just think the Big Ten should be punished for jumping the gun and canceling the season so quick I think that should be one reason to punish them and then I just don't like that whole competitive advantage thing you know Texas A&M went out there and handled business all season long that's why I think they just, just deserve to be in there but see I definitely agree with you at the same time, though, I also could see Ohio State being a little – that's that's the tough thing with Ohio State. Like, they didn't really play anybody. Like, I mean, they struggled with Northwestern in that final game. And, I mean – And Indiana. I, yeah. I, I mean, I would argue that that North Carolina would beat up on both those teams. But, I mean, you know how I feel about North Carolina. So, I mean, I just feel like if it was at eight teams, I just think it would be more fun. Because, like you said, I mean, it just gets old, man. Like, cool, we get it. Alabama is that much better than everybody else. Like, also, too, I think if Georgia had started JT Daniels from the beginning of the season, that – they might honestly be one of the top four best teams in the nation. I mean, I kind of would have wanted to see what they would have looked like with JT Daniels in one of those big games in there at the starting quarterback. So, but
1: I just also, feel like there's I so many different variables I,
0: in an eight pl- in an 18 playoff, g- gives us all of that. You know, at that point, if you're bitching about missing the playoffs in an 18 playoff, like tough luck, you should have handled your business, you know.
1: And I also think another reason to expand and listen, I'm I was not a, fa- a fan of the idea of expanding at first, but I am now, and it's really because of this reason. It has nothing to do with the actual playoff. Um, If you have four teams that only get in, every other game, other than maybe the Rose Bowl, just because everyone wants to play at the Rose Bowl, it's it's one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic, venues in all of college football. These teams don't give a rat's ass about any other bowl game. And they don't. You can't tell me they do because Florida is playing uh, Oklahoma, I believe. In mm-hmm. a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Yeah, yeah we're they're about playing a New We'll Talk Six. about
0: that one in our next segment. And
1: and Florida already has their top three, top four wide receivers sitting out of this game. You know, Georgia is playing a team like Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I, I know they're bummed to get to not get a chance, but they're playing in a big bowl game against a big university like Georgia. And guess what? Georgia's got eight to nine guys that have already opted out. So it's just a lose-lose situation for big programs. when it, These bowl games mean nothing anymore. So I feel like even if you expand it to eight, um, or maybe you need more than eight, but I feel like eight, it, it puts more of a significance on these bowl games again, because honestly, no one cares about these games anymore. It you These coaches will tell you their teams care, and then their star players opt out. So like, and then they'll just tell you, well, they just they don't want to get injured. And I get that. But And I'm not saying these guys should play. I'm not saying Kyle Pitts should play. He has been banged up towards the end of the year, and he's going to be probably a top 10 if he's unlocked to be a top 15 pick. But mm-hmm. I'm not saying he should play. But the fact that he's not playing and Tony's not playing and their other receiver just opted out, like I mean, listen, like it, it means nothing. These bowl games have no significance outside of the – outside of the four teams that make it anymore. And that's a big problem in college football.
0: Hey, I agree with you completely on everything you said, Ben. We can, you know, me and Ben can make argument all day for how they, how horribly the NCAA handled this. Um, for the sake of time, though, we'll move on now. We're going to break down the four bowl games. So you got two bowl games on tomorrow, two on Wednesday, and then there's a ton of bowl games after that over the next couple days. So we're going to try to make sense of all those games for y'all. Um, also, I want to say this too. We won't be doing any NFL on the upcoming podcast. to Be honest, with you guys. Um, maybe we'll play like one teaser NFL Week 17. I think in the six years I've been gambling, I've probably won like maybe six bets in NFL Week 17 in my lifetime. So I'm just done. I'm just done with it. It's, there's no point in it. But let's move things over to uh, to our first bowl game. We're gonna have at 5:30 tomorrow um, in the Camping World Camping World Stadium. Um, don't even know what the official name of this bowl game is but it is Oklahoma State Cowboys are taking on um, Miami hurricanes um spread on this one is moved all the way to just one point miami's a one- point dog here over under 60 and a half Ben what do you, you played anything on this one
1: what was the original line
0: um it opened at three plus three and now that now uh, miami's plus one
1: um I actually I apologized for Miami what I thought about them in the beginning of the year but it turns out I was kind of right about them. They didn't really beat anyone significant. Mm-hmm. But they are a good but they are a good football team. Um I don't think I'm gonna play on this game just because I mean I'll watch it, but I, I don't think I'll have a play on this game. But if I would I would I would take Miami. I think Miami I, I really don't even know who's opting out. I know Derek King has announced that he's coming back for another year, which will be sixth year of college. Um Which is – that's unbelievable news for Miami. Uh, That's exactly what you wanted to hear. So I would take Miami just because I I know Chuba Hubbard is out for Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. Is Tyrone Wallace – I know he said he's playing in the senior bowl, but I thought I read that he's not playing in this game. I I don't think – I think Miami will care more because I think Derrick King will care more than anyone on Oklahoma State's side.
0: Yeah, see, I would agree with you on this one. I feel like Oklahoma State, like once that they lost their undefeated season, everything went downhill for them. But by the way, they're calling this bowl game the Cheez It Bowl. Um, look, Miami's got a lot of guys who are going to be out for this game, but I mean, a lot of these guys opted out during the season. Um, only one really is Phillips that opted out at this point in time, just for the bowl game. Um, I actually think that Miami's going to get the job done here for the reasons you said. I think that Derek King and uh, Manny Diaz are going to want to build off what they did last year or this last season. I also think Rhett Lashley might be you know maybe he's trying to throw his name in the conversation to get a head coaching job here soon so i think this is a big thing for him. Miami's played bad in bowl games historically under under Diaz and, and even with other coaches, but i just feel like that Miami wants it more here. I feel like Oklahoma State, you know, their season really has been trending downwards after they after they lost their second game and i just feel like that Miami's going to come out here be able to cover the number at plus 1. I'm going to play this also i took a teaser tonight. I opened it with the first, for the first team being the Bills. I'm going to close it out with the second team being the Miami at plus seven. I would go ahead and hop on that in just case it moves to a PK because right now you have a key number at plus seven. But I think Miami should get the job done. I think it's I think it's a Miami offense that can put up a lot of points. Oklahoma State's yeah. offense has struggled honestly, which you wouldn't expect with how much they have. But that offensive line is not great. So I could also see them maybe hitting the over. I'm not going to play anything on that over under, but I wouldn't be shocked if that cashed as well. Um, second game is the Valero Alamo Bowl played in the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Texas finds himself a seven and a half point favorite. They opened as a twelve point favorite and moved down. Over/under set at sixty three and a half. Ben, I know you're a Texas guy. Are you playing anything on this one?
1: Um, no, <laughs> but I would. I mean, I have no idea what to think of Texas. I believe they did say that Herman is coming back, though. Is that correct? Yeah, they
0: already they already gave Herman back.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, it, his boys showed out last year in a big-time bowl game. They beat Georgia. I would lean Texas just because I actually think Ellinger cares about everything he does As mm-hmm. for as long as he wears the burnt orange. It's his childhood dream to play quarterback of Texas. He's always going to give 100%. I think as long as he gives 100%, he should be able to win this game. So I would lean towards Texas, but it, it's a no play for me.
0: So... I honestly am not playing anything yet in this game. I think I might actually bite a little bit on the Colorado side of things, plus eight, and or plus seven and a half, maybe eight. I've seen it both on the boards. But I do agree with you in the sense that this is Ellinger's probably – actually, I guess Ellinger can technically come, come back, back. – he can come come back back. I think he I agree with you I think he probably will come back so this may not be his last ride but I mean their best wide receiver Eagles has already decided to sit out of this game which I think is big honestly I have not watched a snap of Colorado football I didn't watch really any Pac-12 football I kind of boycotted the whole conference just because I can't stand them as a conference um and I thought there was nothing important going on there um I feel like, though, that Texas, I mean, like, they've had, they basically have had four captains now on the defensive side of the ball opt out for this, for the season. So I just feel like at this point, it's a skeleton crew in there for Texas versus a Colorado team who probably actually wants to come out and win this game. I don't know if y'all remember or not, but their head coach, um, Mel Tucker, actually left them like last minute before the season started. Michigan State, so I feel like that this is kind of Colorado's way of saying, hey, we had a successful season. Also, too, this isn't a classic Big 12 rivalry here for most people who some people don't remember. I know some of the younger generation doesn't remember. Me and Ben, honestly, this hasn't really been a rivalry in our generation, but Texas-Colorado used to be one of the premier matchups in college football, so that's kind of a just a fun game from the historical factor of it right there. Um, next game up is going to be Wednesday afternoon. Finally, man, we got some Wednesday afternoon football at 12 p.m. in the Dukes Mayo Bowl, played in Bank of America Stadium, North Carolina. What a name, by the way, Dukes Mayo. Um, Wisconsin, <laughs> seven-and-a-half point favorite here, taking on Wake Forest, over-under at 51 and a half. You got anything on this one, Ben?
1: Honestly, I'm not playing anything on college football <laughs> until the games I actually care about come on i'll play you know the the final four games and then some of the new Year's six games but i honestly haven't paid much attention to -hmm. these teams i'm just gonna i mean this is a no play for me there's no reason for me to even give an analysis of a pick because it's gonna be a no play
0: well so i'm not working this week guys so i'm Pretty damn bored, so I know for a fact I'm gonna play something. But actually, I'm not just playing this just to play it. I actually think this is a pretty strong. I have a pretty strong handicap on this one. I like Wisconsin a lot in this one. Wake Forest got lucky this season as they forced 13. They had a plus 13 turnover differential. But I mean, Wake Forest is four and four for a reason. I mean, they they got this crap beaten out of them like two weeks ago by a Louisville team that had like basically all their all their players that were going to the NFL had already opted out for Louisville. So I just feel like that was a good spot for Wisconsin. I think Graham Mertz and this offense want to get things rolling because you know they kind of had things rolling right before um, they had their first shutdown for COVID. I think they kind of this is the first time they've gotten everybody and everything back together here. Um, Wisconsin under Paul Christ, has done well in bowl games, going three and one. But also, this is the main reason here. With The, the uh, defense for Wake Forest is 110 versus the pass and 93 versus the run, 113 in number of plays on the field, 105 time on the field, 91 in points per possession. Wisconsin, obviously they played less games, but they have a top 10 defense in every single category, actually. And, I mean, their offense isn't great, but, I mean, dude, if they can't move the ball against Wake Forest, Merch doesn't even deserve to be a starting quarterback with how bad this team is. I think it's this game right here, Ben. You might actually want to play something in. Uh, Finally, we have one of the big bowls here. It is the Goodyear uh, Cotton Bowl Classic. I believe this is one of the New Year's Six bowls now, or that's what it's considered. They're playing this one Arlington Stadium and it's AT and T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Um, Over/under at this game is set at 70. Um, The spread on this is Oklahoma minus three. You got to play in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm taking the Sooners. I know that I believe Trask will play because this is his last ride at Florida, but the guys he's throwing to, he has not thrown to all season long. He really has only thrown to Pitts and Tony basically all year. Um, Tony Spencer opted Rattler, out, by the way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tony and Pitts both opted out. And I believe Copeland, they're, they have like four receivers out in this game. So yep. I'm going to be playing Oklahoma minus three. Uh, listen, Oklahoma got on a roll at the end of the season. I, I do think that Spencer Rattler – who was benched and then now it came back. Him and Lincoln Riley are on the same page. I think an underrated storyline is that people really weren't talking about when he was kind of struggling at the beginning of the year. Is we're, listen, we're accustomed to the last three quarterbacks um, Lincoln Riley had. He only had for one, uh, well, yeah, basically one year. I think he had Baker for two, if I'm not mistaken. But he had Baker, Kyler, and Hurts. All three had tremendous success. But we always call, it, we, everyone says this guy, the greatest quarterback you know whisper in college football but imagine how good spencer Rattler is going to be next year when he has a full off season with lincoln riley so i do think that they have clicked i think that they're on page the fact that florida has a lot of people out i mean marco wilson who uh you know infamously threw the cleat he is one of their better (laughs) he is one of their better defensive players on a really bad defense he's now opted out i believe uh I, I think Florida's got no motivation now that their season is officially over. Um, I think Mullen will do as best as he can. Um, don't believe anything he says this week. He'll tell the media his guys are amped up. They won't be. Uh, I, I would play Oklahoma in this game with the spread.
0: Um, you know, Ben – Pretty much took every single one of my points there that I had on this game. I'm absolutely on Oklahoma, probably a max bet for me. Oklahoma minus three in this game. It's also your classic kind of Big Twelve versus uh, SEC. Instead, what I'm going to do here, since I was going to break down, you took literally every single point I had to make on that game, <laughs> guys. We got to give give credit here to Bid. He predicted every single conference champion correct. Um, what, what was your final four prediction before the season started? I, obviously, they kind of got thrown out the window because Ohio State, but. Did you have? Yeah, I mean,
1: I I would have had three out of the four. I did not have Notre Dame. Um, I mean, before the scheduling mess came out, I, I definitely had. I can't think of my fourth team though. Oh, I said Oregon. I think I said Oregon. Um, which the Pac-12 just kind of screwed everything up because they <laughs> yeah. barely played anything. Um, I had said Oregon just because I I think Cristobal was recruiting very well. I mean, I was really high on Kevon who – Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen this dude play, he is a freak. freak. Probably be the number one pick in next year's draft, um, not this coming one. I and mean, he'll be top three. He's literally Jadavian Clowney. What Jadavian was in college, you can't block this dude. So I, I was high on Oregon. I think I had said Pac 12 just because it's usually the four uh, conference champions that get in.
0: Yep. Um. I was very impressed with how Ben been predicting every single one. I i I will say this though, I kind of tried to di- try to go a little like uh different differentials. Honestly, yeah. I really thought it was Texas's year. I really thought that Herman and Ellinger were going to get it done, and, and I guess Ellinger is going to have another year now. Um. I also want to say this though, I was I did beat you out in one thing, which I had Florida winning the, winning their half of the SEC over Georgia, so. That is one thing I can rest my hat on. But good stuff there, Ben. Hey, there's a reason why you're a college football expert. and You showed it off for us this season. Um, let's move, though, now, guys, to NFL Week 17 and kind of making sense of what all we saw this weekend. Um, I think the first thing I want to hit on, I'm not just saying this because the Rams absolutely screwed me. They lost me two max bets because they couldn't even cover plus seven in a teaser. I was sick to my stomach watching that game, watching them get stuffed on the goal line. But... This is a Rams team that I was very high on. I know y'all heard me say a couple weeks ago, I thought this defense could help him get deep in the playoffs. But, I mean, after Jared Goff hit his hand, I mean, he looks... I mean, not saying Jared Goff looked really good at any point in time in the game, but he looked absolutely awful after he hit his hand. I really think that this Rams team might be done now, and I think it makes the NFC even easier for the Packers. I think... The Packers that no one wants to go in that stadium and play them, and I mean they have they have the tiebreaker against New Orleans because they beat them head to head. So I mean this game doesn't even matter for them anymore this week. Packers have now secured that number one seed. I mean Ben, do you think anybody can even go into Green Bay and beat them? I don't think so, especially with that home field advantage.
1: I don't want to say no because it's never an easy ride to the Super Bowl. It never is. Something's always going to happen. Um, I want to touch on the Rams real quick. Jared Goff could could not squeeze the football on the sideline. He was wincing in pain every time he was trying to squeeze the football. Listen, that's that that hurts when you hit your hand, your finger on a helmet. Like that doesn't feel good. It makes me wonder why people throw punches at a helmet. Like <laughs> dude, you're gonna break, you're gonna break your wrist. Um, listen, I know that you can't do this in locker rooms, but if I was a player on the Rams defense. I would have to have a teammate hold me back. Um, This is the best defense in the NFL. I don't even think it's close. I really don't think there is a team Mm -hmm. that has a defense that's like the Rams. I really don't. Um, The fact that they held the Seahawks offense to basically nothing. They had 13 points for most of that game, and the Rams couldn't do anything. And this was even before Jared Goff hit his thumb on the uh, helmet. I mean, Rams just could not move the football. Well, I they did know. have that
0: one driver that got all the way down the field, and then Goff literally—I right. like, don't then, even know what the hell he was looking at when he threw. It. That was the worst. I think that's the worst interception I've seen this season.
1: It was. You're talking about the one where he rolled right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I it literally was, threw it right to the guy. So listen, I, I do think the Rams are done. Um, from what Adam Schefter tweeted today doesn't seem like golf as of right now is expected to play next week. That's going to be tough because they can't score with golf. I don't even know who their backup quarterback is. Um, I know they can't score without golf. So I think it opens it up for the Packers. Um, I don't believe that Drew Brees can go into Lambeau in the cold months and get it done. Uh, the Saints defense isn't even as good as they were in the beginning of the year when they were rolling. So in short answer, I think it, it looks pretty easy for the Packers, but it's never easy. Um, I don't want to count out the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are really the only team that can challenge them up until this point, or at least that I'm expecting to. I, I don't ever want to count out Brady because um, their defense is good too. But So I would say the top three teams in the NFC are are. Um, – I'm not going to put the Saints there. Uh, I think in terms of playoffs, I don't believe in Breeze. In terms of teams that I believe that can win in Lambeau, I will go Seattle 1, Tampa Bay 2, and then small gaps, the Saints, then everyone else I don't think has a chance. I think it looks a lot easier, and honestly, no one has been able to stop Devontae Adams right now. By the way, Aaron Rodgers is your NFL MVP.
0: I hate hearing you say that because I'm holding a – a ticket in my back pocket right now. That's Josh Allen, $25 to win over 1100 on him to win MVP. Was was really hoping it, it, can't
1: be, it, it can't be Mahomes at this point. It just really can't
0: be. Mm-hmm. Um, actually so the Rams backup quarterback is, uh, John Wolford from Wake Forest. He was nothing special. At Wake Forest. We'll say this though. He did there for 3000 yards plus yards his last season there. But I mean, Wake Forest was nothing special when he was there. And that's coming from your ACC expert right here with myself. Um, Devontae Adams, by the way, I'm not saying he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, but I would definitely say like if they had an award for the top wide receiver of the season, I would definitely, there's no way you can't not give it to Devontae Adams, even though he missed a few games, he's not going to have the yardage of the other guys. But when he was on the field, the Packers are absolutely unstoppable all season long. Um, You know, it's kind of crazy.
1: In his last 15 games, Devontae Adams has 20 receiving touchdowns. Good grief. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's like some that's like some Madden stuff when you just make a season and you're not on all Madden you're on the seat on like the one down and your receiver gets like 30 receiving touchdowns like that's literally what that is pretty much
1: yep it's absolutely I mean
0: that that's honestly crazy I would have never guessed that but I mean whenever he plays this Packers offense and de- and team in general is always looks completely different um I kind of agree with you with, with your statement of The Seahawks the Seahawks like I'm not going to say they're great but their defense looks better I mean, Seattle's gonna have a home game in the playoffs. Look, this is a, this is a weird thing. I was I was looking at this earlier when I was looking down all the teams and kind of trying to make sense of everything. So think about this: teams that have probably have the best home field advantage in the NFL. The, the Packers still seven and one. Saints six and two at the house. Uh, Seattle seven and one at home. Um, Kansas City six and one at home. Pittsburgh seven and one at home. Buffalo six and one at home. Those are typically all the teams with all the best home field advantages, and every single one of those teams pretty much did the exact same thing they would do in the regular season. The one that's baffling to me, though, is San Francisco, not Arizona, so never mind. But anyway, um, back to what we were saying, look – I think that there's one team we need to talk about here in this division, Ben, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they've given the bears life. Now this bears offense is kind of alive. They've been doing it against the, probably some of the worst competition in the NFL. Now they've been doing it against the likes of the lions and Vikings, but they've given them some life here. I mean, do you, do who do you think is going to end up snagging this last wild card spot? Are the Cardinals just going to be able to claim what's theirs or is it going to be this, this bears team that somehow has found life the second half of the season?
1: I'm going to look at who has the easier schedule. Um, I mean, the Bears are on a three-game win streak. They beat in Houston, Minnesota, and Jacksonville. They they lost to the Lions. They play Green Bay next. I don't think Green Bay will be playing all of their starters because they have already clinched. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona's final game is, is the Rams. at is at the Rams. But I don't. If Jared Goff doesn't play, I, I still believe. And Kyler Murray doesn't seem like he's going to play. He had a lower leg injury that Kingsbury said he doesn't know if he's going to be able to go. I have no idea who their backup quarterback is. So, by default, I mean,
0: I. Yeah, the Bears still have a 71% court. chance, they said on SportsCenter Center this morning. Um, I think, though, their backup quarterback is going to be Brent Hundley, who'd go in there and play.
1: If it's Brent Hundley, then. Oh God, I just don't know who the Packers are going to play. I still believe in the Cardinals. I, I believe in the Cardinals because Brent. if it's Brent Hundley, he's got enough game time experience. He has played over the last couple of years. I, I have no faith in Mr. Trubisky. I know that they've won three in a row. I know that he's looking better. Um, I still don't believe in him. I, I know that their defense is really good, but their numbers are a little skewed just because of who they played. Like If you look at their defensive numbers, like last game they had, like two or three interceptions and a forced fumble, but like they play Jacksonville, who's literally trying to lose. So I'm going to stick with Arizona because I stuck with them at the beginning of the year, but I don't love the pick. I just think DeAndre Hopkins, just get him the football. Get him the football. Throw him the football. Christian Kirk is great too. So I'm going to believe in the Cardinals, but I don't like that I said that.
0: I think I might have found myself betting on a week 17 game after I said I wouldn't do it. I feel like we got to take the under and Cardinals Rams if both backup quarterbacks are playing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I
0: I think that might be the one play I ended up pulling the trigger on, but I'm going to say this. I don't know if clicks Kingsbury can do it, man. I feel like Sean McVay can come out here and scheme up some sort of BS way to win this game. I mean, (laughs) they haven't said how bad Darrell Henderson's injury is. They already said Cam Akers is a high ankle sprain and won't return to the playoffs. You're not going to have Jared Goff in there anymore. I just feel like Sean McVay can make up some sort of game plan to move the ball down the field. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury literally watched the, the uh, Bills spread out Arizona and throw the ball, or San Francisco and throw the ball all over him. It felt like he did the exact opposite in this game. And he was like, oh, we're going to keep the back in and try to run. The, I, mean, I don't even know if Cliff Kingsbury knew what the hell he was doing, but it felt like he didn't even watch that Buffalo um, game film. So I think the way we're going to end up seeing our, seeing our playoff picture shake out here before we talk about the NFC East, and we're going to see the Packers as the one seed. Our two seed will be um, uh, New Orleans. The three seed, Seattle. Wait, who has the tiebreaker between New Orleans and Seattle? Do you know that? Let me check
1: the schedule.
0: Yeah, I don't they, think they played each other. I don't but think they
1: played. For a second, I thought it was New Orleans because New Orleans for... Like just until last week, we're we're fighting with the Packers for the one seed. So i but I guess yeah. that changes. I think it is New Orleans though.
0: Yeah, I think you're right because that um, I know that like conference uh, division record is the is the tiebreaker. Is that- actually, Green Bay may have something to play for because of the three way. Yeah, actually, Green Bay does have to win this week is the three way tie tiebreaker, I believe. So Green Bay doesn't exactly have it completely locked up. I don't think yet. So I mean, hey, we got no, a lot definitely go with for. Arizona. Yeah, we got a lot to play. Yeah, we'll see you later. Yeah, we got a lot to play for this week. But I mean, it's looking like those are going to be your top three teams. Um, And then it's looking like your wild card order here is going to go. I mean, I'm going to take Tampa Bay because I assume that they're going to whoop up on the Falcons. The Falcons want to stay locked in at that or their draft spot right now. Also, shout out to the Falcons for honestly, playing some of the best tanking football I've seen. We managed to make all these last games fun to watch, and we ended up losing at the end, so I can't thank them enough for making them fun to watch. But Go Tampa Bay is the first wild card. Air um, the Rams is the second wild card. Um, the, I will say this though, both those teams. If the, uh, Tampa Bay loses and the Rams win, the Rams win the tiebreakers. They beat them head to head, and then our last spot's going to come down like we said to Chicago and Arizona, but. Ben, Can you make any sense of me for what the hell's going on in the in the NFC East? I mean, it felt like that Dallas was so bad. I mean, my roommate's a Cowboys fan. If this tells you all how how bad the Cowboys were, there's been multiple games this season where like he's literally said, or uh, we have three TVs in our living room where he told me that I don't even have to put the game on one of the TVs because he doesn't want to watch it.
1: They're alive now. <laughs> <laughs> you get Andy Dalton now. back in
0: there, bring them back alive.
1: life. I I don't know what's going on, um, but I will tell you this including myself, I think a lot of people do owe Mike McCarthy an, an apology. Um, are they having a good season? No, but listen, he's the he's Washington just, I mean, unfortunately for Washington, Alex Smith got hurt. Um, I, I really think they win that game this past week with Alex Smith. Um, Dwayne Haskins is an absolute joke of a football player. I really hope he didn't uh, blow all of his money because you know me. I, I love to say I don't like to say this, but I always tweet 9 to 5. What that means is if he's broke, he's going to be having a 9 to 5 job because I, I really don't know <laughs> if he's going to get another chance at the NFL. He, one, hasn't played that much, but two, when he has played, has been awful. And he's he's made more mistakes off the field than he has on the field. And I just said he's been awful on the field. So he's got a horrendous attitude. I think, you know, listen, he tweeted something good today that he thanks Washington for letting him play for his childhood team, giving him a chance. He knows he screwed up, but I don't even know if he tweeted that. That might be his agent tweeting it. I, I don't know. I He needs to prove to everyone in, in the uh, football business that he actually means what he says. I mean, there was a report after his rookie year that he didn't know the playbook very well. That's why he... Uh, wasn't going to be a starter. Then Alex Smith came back. Ron Rivera got hired. Ron Rivera hated him from day one. That's why Ron Rivera traded for Kyle Allen, because Kyle Allen was um, on the Panthers, coached by Ron Rivera. So Rivera never liked him. Um, listen, he Haskins had two COVID protocols uh, where he broke. His coach was literally coaching through cancer, he was literally putting his life on the line. And, Dwayne Haskins goes to a club or strip club, I believe, after a game, after his first start. So he, I don't think he cares. He has not proven that he cares, so they, they screwed up. And then I don't know what just happened with the Eagles. I thought the Eagles going into that game had a very good chance. Um, I thought Jalen Hurst was playing fine. He had three turnovers in that game. So the Giants aren't even out of it. So, I mean, by default, the Cowboys are the favorite to win it right now, I believe. Uh, or Washington still the favorite.
0: Um. No. Da- I mean, Dallas has like the highest chances, pretty much.
1: Yeah, but Washington holds the up.
0: tiebreaker because they beat him head to head both times.
1: I'm gonna say that
0: the Cowboys are gonna
1: win this. Um, win this division. They're playing the best football right now.
0: I agree with you completely. I mean, I feel bad for Joe Judge because he looked like he was gonna be coach of the year, and now he's completely kind of pissed that away. I mean. I just don't think that this Giants team can do anything on offense. I mean, y'all saw how bad their offense looks against Baltimore on Sunday, once again. I mean, it's another one of those outings for this Giants offense. Unfortunately, I don't think that Washington football team can do it with Taylor Heineke back there playing quarterback. I feel like Doug Peterson in Philadelphia is too much swagger for that. Um, but hey, look at this. Look at it this way. Dallas has got to handle business at the one o'clock hour or else that Sunday night football game won't be quite as interesting. It's kind of weird. Usually Sunday night football game of the week is going to have, you know, kind of something on the line for both teams. Philadelphia is pretty much, or season is done for sure. Um, I'm going to agree with you, though. I just think if Washington football team could somehow get Alex Smith in there, I think they would do it. But without Alex Smith in there, I don't think they can do it. But it's kind of funny that we're spending so much time talking about the worst division in football and that theirs is the one that uh, comes down to the end of the season here. Um, So over in the AFC side of things, we it's obviously crazy. Kansas City is the number one seed. Indianapolis and, and uh, Tennessee are tied neck and neck right now. Tennessee owns the tiebreaker, though. Uh, Pittsburgh clinched their division. Buffalo had already clinched their division. Um, before we talk about who's going to win win out this division before Tennessee and the Colts, Ben, have you seen any crazier game, honestly, than that Steelers-Colts uh, game at the 1 o'clock hour on Sunday?
1: Top of my head, no. <laughs> they were up 24-7, I believe yeah and you know a little bit of a, a non-controversial call um the Colts I thought you know should have had a I thought should, thought there should have been a pass interference on the Steelers they didn't get a call and it really flipped the game I mean Big Ben came alive in that game and listen the Colts defense which looks so good at the beginning of the year has been so bad down the stretch um Titans hurt themselves too though. Titans really hurt themselves by losing to the Packers the way they did. I mean, listen. That game was crazy. In this AFC, this AFC wild card, it, it's unbelievably crazy how many teams are still in it. The fact that Baltimore is right back in things with a four-game win streak and the Titans and the in the Colts are back to 10 and 5 and listen, the the Colts play Jacksonville uh, in the last week of the season, and the Tennessee Titans play Houston, both teams should easily win those football games. Easily win those football games. So what happens if both those teams win?
0: Um, if both those teams win, the Tennessee owns the tiebreaker. I forget how they own the tiebreaker, but they own the tiebreaker over but, them.
1: But does... So who misses the playoffs? Does that mean the Colts are out?
0: Um, so... The Colts lost to the Ravens, so the Ravens own the tiebreaker between the two of them. So the Ravens are going to have to handle business here in the last week. Um, odds are the Browns are going to catch the Steelers. And they play, they play they play,
1: they play, play Cincinnati, so they're going to win.
0: Yeah, and then the Browns so, are going to catch the Steelers probably resting their starters. Honestly, it'd be the most Browns thing ever for the fact that they lose. lost all their wide receivers to, the, to COVID and lost to the Jets, and then they chum around and lose to the Steelers resting their starters and miss the playoffs. I mean... That'd be the most Browns thing ever when it looked like that they might even win the division. I mean, at, at halftime of the 1 o'clock hour on Sunday, it looked like the Browns might win the division. And now they're going to be fighting to stay in the playoffs. Um, so I,
1: think the well. Titan, I, I think the Titans are going to win their division based on the tiebreaker. I think hmm. the Ravens are going to get in because they hold the tiebreaker. And I think the Colts are going to be left out with 11 wins. Um, I, I think there's a real good chance that happens.
0: No, I see. I'm gonna agree with you completely, Ben. I think the Colts are the odd man out here, gonna get left out. Um, Buffalo is probably gonna be resting their starters after this game on a after this game night. I just don't think that they're really gonna care where that they end up between them and the Steelers. I don't think them and the Steelers are gonna fight that much for positioning here, even though Buffalo is gonna hold the tiebreaker if both teams are tied up. Um, it's gonna be weird though. Honestly, it's crazy kind of to see how Fitzpatrick came in and saved the Dolphins and closed that game out again. For Tua. I mean. That throw he made was a dime and he was getting grabbed in the face mask. I mean, that was probably one of the best play of the entire weekend
1: for the NFL wise. I mean Gruden just, been, Gruden just has no idea what he's doing in terms of clock management.
0: <laughs> nothing. I mean, the end of that game, that game was crazy, honestly. Those other two games to start the day off, I mean, like that but that B- Bucks game was over middle of the second quarter. That Cardinals game, I mean, that was just an ugly game to watch. That was the marquee game to watch, and that was honestly probably one of the most fun games of the whole weekend. But, I mean, it's just crazy to think how Baltimore looks like they're dead in the water. They're going to get in now. I feel like Miami and Cleveland have been all consistent in everything. I feel – I will say this. One of these teams is going to choke in Week 17. I know for a fact oh, it's yeah. going to happen. Someone always oh, yeah. chokes in Week 17. Don't know who it's going to be, but somebody is 100% going to choke. Um, it's also kind of cool, though, the way NFL does the scheduling in Week 17 – all those teams that are going to be battling for the wild cards will all be in play at the exact same time. They all play at the um, at the uh, early hour, and then kind of all those teams battling in the NFC all play at the late hour. So it's kind of like that every single team has to handle their business.
1: Every game matters.
0: It's going to be fun to see how everything plays out. Anything else you want to say, Ben, before we get up out of here?
1: Nah, all right, that's a long breakdown for everyone. That's all I got.
0: that's what I'm saying, guys. We went on for a long one on this podcast. Hey, we're actually right at the hour mark, so we did our job. I did not even know we were at the hour mark, but Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again.
1: Yeah, man, thanks.
0: Hey, we appreciate everyone who tuned in. Um, Like I said, we won't have much for y'all NFL Week 17. We might hand y'all each like a teaser or something that we're going to play, but not really looking to play much Week 17 We're gonna break down all these bowl games though for y'all probably on Wednesday. We're gonna give you all the Thursday, Friday, Saturday bowl games. So everyone tune into that. Appreciate everyone who tuned in this episode, and we'll see y'all again soon.